um, as, as before we read these verses, as we, as we really talk about this spiritual warfare, um, often I find we focus our attention on not falling. I, over and over again, I, I hear people, and, and, and the conversation is dominated by what they're struggling in and how they're so determined not to fall into that struggle. And so the focus is actually on not falling. Uh, it's not on growing. And, and I think that's something that, that, I, that I see we struggle with a lot. It, it, in other words, we, we focus a lot on our weaknesses instead of how God equips us to be able to move forward into what he's called us to do. And so as we go into this, this time, I, I think one of the things that is so powerful about these verses is the reality that he's calling us into spiritual warfare. He's calling us into battle. And what he's going to tell us and communicate is that he has equipped us. He has gifted us with the ability, with the resources to be able to move forward well to where one, you're not fighting blind. You're not walking into something uh, going, I don't know. I don't know what, what like you have God, you have all of the spiritual uh, armor uh, available to you. Um, and, and, and also what that does is, is it means you don't have to fear and you don't have to focus on your weaknesses. And, and I think that's a transitional shift for us in our minds right now is we need to focus on, on, on how he wants us to move forward, on what he wants to, to do with your life, what he's already equipped you with versus being so focused on my struggle. And so with that being said, let's, let's read, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just read one verse at a time here. Ephesians 6, I'm going to read verse 13, and it says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So, so, you know, essentially what he's saying, he's saying what? Take up this armor. Take up the whole armor so that you may be able to withstand. Um, and, and why? Why? Why do I need this armor? Why, why, why is this important for me? Well, he said what? Because the day is evil. The day is evil. Okay, now, now sometimes uh, in certain environments uh, and in certain years, I've had to convince people of this. I don't have to convince you at all. Like the day is evil. Uh, we're all very well aware that, that, that there's, there's suffering, there's pain. Uh, none of us is going, man, it's so great out there. We are very aware that the enemy right now is having his way, uh, you know, as far as with society and culture and all the things that are happening. Um, but what we see here is this is when it talks about the evil. Day. This is a combination, not only of the present evil age that we're in as a result of sin, but also what we're talking about in, in the evil day is specific tempting occasions. So specific incidences that are going to happen as well. Not just this is the evil day and time we live in, but specific uh, situations and occasions that you're going to find yourself in that are evil uh, from Satan. Okay, uh, it's really interesting in Matthew chapter four. Uh, in Matthew chapter four, eleven actually. So Jesus has been tempted by Satan. He's been out in the wilderness. And, and, and it says this in Matthew 4, 11. It says, after Jesus has been tempted, it says, then the devil left him. Then the devil left him. So 
So the devil, we see the devil had come to, in, in all his force, to tempt Jesus away for, and, and, and to try and destroy uh, Jesus. And, and we know that he wanted to attack Jesus all the time. But we see that he came with particular force at certain times. So his desire, obviously, is to destroy Jesus. We know that from before Jesus was born to even as Jesus is born to right after Jesus is born. Like he's been trying to destroy him. But we also see specific moments where he shows up with a, with a different force in order to destroy Jesus. So it's not just this evil day. We know uh, th- that, that there are particular times that we are going to have to deal with specific temptation, specific attacks. Um, and, and, and here's the reality. Like, like we all have to have the same mindset knowing that we're called to emulate Jesus and knowing that by being a Jesus follower, we are now a target. So, so if we see the enemy doing this to Jesus, we know that he is going to do the same thing to us. We have to be prepared for him to strike at different times to different degrees. And, and listen, like I said, I don't have, I, I, I'm not preaching to the choir here. Like, like, you know what I'm talking about. Many of you that, that have, have been following along, many of you that are trying to follow Jesus. Uh, in fact, a lot of you who maybe are watching and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you even know what I'm talking about. You even know there's specific times that you go, man, that was evil. That there, there was something different about that temptation. There was something different about this situation, this interaction. It wasn't just bad. It wasn't just abnormal. Man, I felt sincere, deep spiritual attack in that. That was different. And I think we've, we, we've experienced some of those things. And, and, and for some of us, it's brought fear. For some of us, actually, that drove us to God. But... I think, I think sometimes, you know, for us in the Western world, it's, it's really easy uh, because as a church, generally in the Western world, we're, we're generally prosperous, we're, we generally uh, are given kind of, uh, you know, respect, and, 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 and so it's really easy to be complacent and become oblivious to the spiritual battle around us. It really is. You know, I, I, as I was preparing, I was thinking, I was remembering a time when um, I was on this uh, mission trip in this Muslim uh, country, and I'm I'm sharing my faith with uh, a man, and as I'm sharing with him the message of Jesus, I'm I'm, I'm sitting there, and and as I'm sharing this message, it just it just hit me how if he receives this message, if he goes all in with Jesus, he is going to lose everything. It's going to cost him everything. And, and yet it's cost me very little. Parents are Christian. They pray for me to be a Christian. All these things. And I was just starting to understand and, and see how, how lucky I am and how, and how little I've experienced when it comes to the magnitude of spiritual warfare, of the battle that is out there and how people are experiencing this at levels you and I, we can't even imagine. Um, and, and so what we tend to do is just, honestly, we're not really interested. Like, like this isn't really a big deal to us because we're not engaged in the war. 
You know, so, so a lot of us, like, like when, we, when we look at spiritual warfare and that, it, it doesn't really stand out to us because to be honest, we don't even fully get it. We're not engaged. Uh, and, 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 and so I think one of the, the things that Satan has done so well, and I think is one of his greatest tools, is he has gotten us to believe that it's not real. He's gotten us to, to believe that, that there is no spiritual warfare out there. Uh, he's, he's, he's gotten us to become he, uh, so distracted with all these other things, with all these other hobbies, with, all, uh, with, with success, climbing the ladder, with being just current, with being cool, all these things that we become consumed with to the point where we don't even think about this. We don't even think that this is a reality. We don't deal with it. And our life uh, overall is better than a lot of other people. So, you know, it's not really a big deal. I don't need this is kind of the overall mentality. And, and so what we need to just know right now is, is like when it comes to being a Jesus follower and entering and engaging in battle, like God doesn't give exemptions uh, from this. If you're a Jesus follower, you are in battle. And so you need to be aware of that. And, and part of his strategy for you probably has been to distract you from believing there is a battle. And so here's, Here's what's so incredible about this, okay, as, as we talk about spiritual warfare. Because Paul says what? Take up the full armor of God, okay? Like, like undeniably, very, very first verse there in 13, take up the full armor of God. Now, here's what is so powerful first and foremost about this. Whose armor is it? Whose armor does he say to take up? The armor is of God. The armor is of God. See, uh, as, as mentioned in the Old Testament, God is a warrior. We see it in Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 59, uh, 17. Uh, it says what? It says, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So he put on righteousness. So the, the same armor the Messiah wears in battle is also our battle gear. <laughs> How cool is that? So when he's saying put on the armor of God, you've got to remember whose armor is he, is he saying put on? It's God's armor. It's the same armor of the Messiah. This is, this is the hand-me-down we've all been wanting, okay? Like, like, like this, this is great. Like, it's not like when David said, I'll fight Goliath, and Saul said, okay, you can wear my armor, and David put it on and went, no, I can't. Like, this is way too big. This doesn't fit. It's like my, uh, my youngest son, he's the third and one. And so, like, he's gotten all these hand-me-downs. Some of them have little holes in it. Uh, some of them don't quite fit him right uh, and, and all of that. This is that one time where, where we go, oh, my goodness, God, I get to have what you have? I, you're giving me that armor? He says, take up my armor. Put on my armor, the armor of Jesus. We have his full resources available to us, his word, his indwelling Holy Spirit, every resource of our heavenly father. That's what he's given you. That's what he's given you. But we see his armor must be put on and taken up. So he's given this to us, but you have a choice to put it on. Man, isn't that crazy? Like, like he's given us all of that. And yet a lot of us, we leave that armor in the closet. 
And he says, here it is. You can be fully equipped to move forward. And for whatever reason, because we're oblivious or we're just like, I don't need that. Life's good. It's okay. Things are working out. We don't even acknowledge it. It's there. And yet this is what all he's made available to us in order to combat the spiritual battle that you are in, that you are going to continue to be in until he returns. And so literally, we, we see um, that, that, that what an incredible gift, but you have the choice to put this on, to take it on. And so we, we must be ready and equipped in order to resist and stand firm. God has provided the whole armor for us, but we have to stop picking and choosing what pieces of armor we're going to wear and not wear. See, see, we, we also do this. You see, he said the whole armor, a lot of times we'll be like, oh, I'll have this one. I'll just use this. I'll just put on the breastplate. I'll just put on the shoes or, or I'll just take the sword, all of that uh, versus no. He says the full armor of God. And why is this so important? Because Satan, as, as Ian was talking about last week, like Satan is not just this devil with a pitchfork. No, uh, he was this incredible, powerful angel. Okay, he very powerful. Um, you know, he's a fallen angel and all this. And, and, and he, is studying you and he's looking for your unguarded areas. Okay, that's what he's looking for. Okay, if you've ever played sports, uh, the offense is always looking for weaknesses in the defense, okay? Like it just is. And, and, and so that's what he's doing. Um, it, it, it's why Ephesians 4.27, it says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. That's what Ephesians 4.27 says, okay? That's why when we fall, we're, we're surprised. Do you ever like get that? How, how, how often it is when you fall and, and, and when you make a, a, a huge mistake, when something comes out of your mouth, when, when you lose your temper, temper when, when, when something just happens and, and, you, and, you, and you, you've gone through it and then all of a sudden you're reflecting on what happened, you go, man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I allowed myself to go that far. I can't believe any of those things would come out of my mouth. What in the world uh, happened? We're surprised because that was an area in our lives we had neglected. We were not guarding that. We had not taken on the full armor of God. We'd taken on pieces, but there was areas that were unguarded and the enemy is like, oh, I see you struggle with that. I see you struggle with that. And he just keeps going, keeps going after it remembering that Christ has already conquered Satan and made his spiritual armor and weapons available to us should cause us to engage with confidence. See, the day is evil and the enemy is evil. But as Romans 8, 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. We can hang our hat on that. We can stand firm because of that. Our God is an overcomer. Our God has already beaten him. And he says that those weapons are available to you. Verse 14, verse 14, it says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so a Roman soldier always wore this, this large outer garment uh, as their primary um, clothing. And it was usually just this large uh, piece of material with holes that were cut out for the head, for the arms. Um, and ordinarily it would, it would be draped um, 
loosely over most of the soldier's body. And, and, and since most of the ancient combat was hand-to-hand, a loose garment uh, would be a hindrance or even a danger uh, to them. If you ever had really baggy clothes or something, you try to do something uh, athletic or move around or shifty, and, and you're like, man, it keeps getting in the way, it keeps getting caught. Um, so w- they would have to do something about that loose garment. So before a battle, uh, that garment would be secured and tucked into this heavy leather belt uh, that the soldiers would wear. And, and, and we also see, just studying history, that, that the ordinary citizens, uh, you know, had, had a similar problem, problem with their robes as, as well. To the point where we, we even see in, 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 in using the same language as God prepared the children of Israel uh, to eat the Passover meal before they left Egypt, he instructed Moses to tell them, this is right before they're about to, they're about to leave, uh, they're going to have their exodus. And in, in Exodus 12, 11, he says, in this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So you catch that. With your belt fastened, securing the belt was a mark of preparedness. And the soldier who was serious about fighting was sure to secure his garment with his belt. See, our spiritual belt uh, holds all of our armor together and it demonstrates our readiness for war But what is that belt? What is the belt? The belt is truth. This belt of truth. So this belt of truth, the spiritual belt that we have, that we're called to put on in readiness is the belt of truth. And Paul summarizes the source of truth in Ephesians 4.21. What did he say? The truth, the truth is in Jesus. So coming to Jesus, believing in Jesus, resting in Jesus is coming to the truth. Put the truth of Christ on every day, every day, every day. Preach the truth of the gospel to yourself and live in that truth throughout the day. The gospel should be ministering to you throughout the day. You should wake up with that reality, with the truth of Jesus Christ, what he's done for you, what he continues to do for you, how he loves you. And and, and you, you should walk in light of that. That should be something you wear. And even more so uh, because you're in a battle. And so we have to have that. And so why is that also important? Because Satan is what? We learned this last week. Satan is a liar. Okay, so Satan is a liar. So we need this belt that holds it all together, this belt of truth. And when we are living, when we are um, focused, and when we are consumed with Jesus and truth, we are able to identify the lies and the liar. Don't give him a foothold by neglecting to be a person of truth. In your language, let that be truth. Uh, in how you carry yourself, in who you are, let it be truth. In, in, in your behavior, in, uh, in your attitude, uh, let, let it be truth. Live in light of the gospel. Walk in truth. Be that real version of, of what God calls us to be. See, the belt, it holds all these other parts of the armor together. And, and, and that truth is the integrating force in the life of a Jesus follower, even for our church. That's, that's, that's why it's so important. That's why core value. We want to walk in truth, okay? This is huge for us. Truth has to be that foundational piece for us. 
Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna literally go against uh, in the spiritual warfare with the enemy who is a liar, who is a deceiver, you're not even gonna know that you're deceived if you don't have truth. You just won't even know. How many people do you know they're confused and they have no idea they're confused? It's because he's a deceiver. And so if, if, if truth is not that belt, if truth is not holding it all together, if the gospel, if, if, if who Jesus is, he says, I am, I am the way, I am the truth, okay? If, if he's not that focused, I'm telling you right now, we fall. And it, and it causes everything else to fall. The breastplate of righteousness we see next. No Roman soldier would go into battle without his breastplate. This piece of armor made of, of metal plates, uh, often a metal plate, and they would literally like, like with a hammer uh, chisel it out to fit or, or with chains on it. It covered the body from the neck to the waist, and it would be front and back, and it was designed uh, to protect your vital organs, right? It was designed to protect uh, the most important uh, parts that, that keep you alive. Here's the reality. We cannot... We cannot put on what God has already permanently closed us with. Okay, so, so what, when we talk about this righteousness, this does not refer to that imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness, which is, that is our righteous standing before God once we become a Jesus follower, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might, what? Become the righteous of God. So we become the righteous. So that is imputed righteousness. That's our new standing, declared righteous because of Jesus as we are adopted into that. So that is our standing. Uh, but what we see here seems to refer to the practical righteousness, okay? The practical uh, living, the right living, because righteous is rightness, right? So this right living that he's talking about here. Ephesians 4.24 uh, kind of speaks to it as well when it says, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's this positional righteousness that's imputed to us, but then we see this practical righteousness that we walk in, that we daily have the choice to put on, that we daily have the choice to walk in and to grow into. And so the, the breastplate of righteousness that we put on as spiritual armor is the practical righteousness of a life lived in obedience to God's word. And Paul shows this relationship between these two forms of true righteousness in Philippians chapter three. Uh, in Philippians chapter three, verse nine, actually, uh, he, he, well, yeah, he, he, he talks about um, how his salvation was based solely on God's imputed righteousness. Look at verse nine. It says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Okay, so he speaks of, of this in relation to his salvation, but his Christian living involved another kind of righteousness, okay? The practical working out of that imputed righteousness. Look at verses 12 through 14. He says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, 
what do we see? We see positionally, this is who I am now. This is what I have in Christ. But now we see practically, this is how I go. This is how I press on towards that prize. This is how I continue uh, to reinforce and, and grow and acknowledge that he is my savior. And I want to grow in that relationship. I want to cultivate that. That is right living. That is righteousness. And so what we see is imputed righteousness makes practical righteousness possible. But only obedience to the Lord makes practical righteousness a reality. You can't say that that I'm growing in this if you're not being obedient to God. You just can't. Right? They go together. See, our positional Righteousness without practical righteousness, what that does is that gives Satan an opportunity to influence your life, to distract you, to deceive you. And, and, and I fear that that's a lot of us. I fear that a lot of us, we're like, man, I've been saved. I'm in this position. I'm in this place. But we're not cultivating on the practical side the righteousness that Paul is talking about, that he's striving to continue to go as he, as he presses on towards the prize. And so many of us are just caught in, well, I got, I got Jesus. I'm, look at what I'm declared. I got salvation, all this stuff. And we're not growing. And what that is doing is creating a window for the enemy to distract you, to distort you, to to do things in your life that have no business being in your life and taking you on a path that you don't want to be on. Listen, to put on the breastplate of righteousness is to live in daily obedience to God, realize who you are in Christ, and live out that new identity in righteous living. Remember, righteousness is rightness. It will keep you from wrong. So let's, let's make a decision to cultivate that, to grow in that, to daily wake up and to pursue him. Verse 15, it says this, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shoes are important, right? I think most people uh, would say, I love shoes. Uh, They're important. You go to a shoe store and you find all kinds of shoes, okay? You can find boots uh, for hiking, for doing this. There's shoes, right? You have different kinds of shoes, whether you're running, play basketball or football or baseball. Some have cleats. Some have different sizes of cleats. Some are for sprinting. Some are for running long distance. Um, All these these things that if you go uh, to a shoe store, you will find. And, and, And you need different types of shoes for different activities. Soldiers have to have the right kind of footwear to be ready. And so what Paul is basically saying by using that example is, is, is he's saying believers should always be ready to share the gospel. So just as a soldier needs to be ready, Christ demands that same readiness of his people, okay? And, and in particular, these Roman soldiers, they had these special sandals, and it's really cool. You should research it. They had specialty sandals that were made for the Roman soldiers to where they had what they called hobnails in them, and, and it's literally like, like metal, uh, almost like cleats that were put into uh, their shoes so that they could grip better, they could go long distance better, better. Uh, They had more traction. And so it helped them to fight. It helped them to climb all these other things that they were able to do. uh, It made them more effective and efficient. A Christian's spiritual footwear is is important as well, right? We all have this armor on 
Well, I will say this. If we put all of this other armor on, but we don't properly equip our feet with the gospel of peace, what are we going to do? We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. Right? Like, like you could, you know, if, if it's snowing outside and, and, and all that, and I put on all the best winter gear possible, but I put on my flip-flops and go out there, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to fall. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to get cold. Okay, because I'm neglecting a very important piece. And we have to remind ourselves that Paul is saying to take up the whole armor, the whole armor. Okay, so I, I, I think sometimes we're like, oh, well, that person, they're the breastplate or, or and that person, man, they walk in truth or, or so, so they're the belt or whatever. And, and I guess I'm the, you know, I'm the shoe there and, and that. And, and, and what he's calling us to is not just a piece to this. He's saying, no, each of us take up the whole armor, the whole character of Christ. If we are going to stand and withstand, then we need the shoes of the gospel of peace. You see, earlier in the book, Paul told us that through the blood of Christ, we are brought near to God. And then in Ephesians 2.14, Paul says of Jesus, he is our peace. So Jesus is our peace. We are reconciled to God and enjoy the peace of God through the death of Jesus. Romans 5.1, what does it say? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this peace that he brings into your life that you never had before, that peace, that peace not only prepares you uh, for for what's to come, for the unknown, uh, but it also that very peace allows you to withstand. Okay, there are many Jesus followers right now and some I've called this week and I am amazed at the peace they have. And it's a peace because of Jesus. It's a peace in that that's resting on that in spite of losing things, in spite of being displaced, all of that. And and what you're seeing is the reality of their faith. You're seeing that this is true. See, we also see not only does it bring us to the right mindset and allow us to withstand all these things. But there is also this whole like taking ground. There's this offensive side to it. Paul also says of Jesus, what in Ephesians two seventeen, he proclaimed the good news of peace. Okay. So Jesus didn't just come and bring peace. He proclaimed peace. Okay, Jesus came with his gospel shoes announcing peace to Jews and Gentiles. And those who know uh, Christ, they have his peace in their lives, but they also then have that same mission. Okay, that same mission, that same mission. Uh, if you're a Jesus follower, listen, in, in the midst of, of, of this passage, what we see on warfare is a message not only of peace, but to be called an ambassador of peace. You are called to be an ambassador of peace. So not only do we see in this whole spiritual warfare section of scripture, this message of peace, but we see a calling that we are all to be ambassadors of peace. See, we should be a picture of peace and we should be a messenger of peace. How timely is that? How relevant is that in our culture? People need to see this lived out in Jesus followers lives. See, if we wear the shoes of the gospel, then we have what we read in Isaiah 52, seven, where it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, 
who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation. So my question is, do you live like this is real? Do you live like this is real? Or let, let's just have a moment of honesty here. When you saw we were going into spiritual warfare, did you say, oh, it's just one of those again? That's good for other people. I've, I've never really experienced that, never really needed that. Not a big deal to me. And maybe ask yourself this. Do you actually think you even need his armor? See, if not, I think first and foremost, that is a call to do something. But I also want to say this for any of you that are right now in fear. He supplies the power. He supplies it. But we supply the willingness. So he's already said, I have given you my full armor. Here you go. But I now have a decision. Will I take and put on that armor or will I leave it in the closet? Will I leave it on the bed there? And that's a decision that he gives us. And it's an opportunity to experience incredible power in your life, incredible victory in your life. But once again, it, it is a choice. And, and in these passages, over and over, what I also see is this call to readiness, a call to readiness. So my question is, are you living expectantly? Are you in that ready position? Or are your shoes off? Is the armor over there? Are you, are you taking a break? Because the world's just too crazy. Everything's going on. I don't, I just, no. Or are you in the ready position, expectant, armored up, going, God, I'm ready. And if the enemy's coming, I'm ready, God. I'm ready to walk through this. I'm ready to be confident because of the peace of Jesus, because of the truth of the gospel. Not only can I have that and stand firm in that, but I can actually move forward so that what consumes my mind is not my struggle and my fear, but following Jesus, pursuing him and knowing that he is an overcomer, he's a conqueror, and that same armor, he says, here you go. You are equipped. Guys, there is one thing for sure that 2020 has taught us. It's that anything can happen at any time. And so I can't stress this enough. We need to be ready. As Jesus follows, we need to be prepared. We need to armor up. Amen? God bless you. Let's pray.